This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a... A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Hey everyone, this is Cody. My guest today on the podcast is Will DeRover. He's a 24-year-old from British Columbia, Canada, who just started hunting in his late teens. And since uh, graduating high school, has run a dairy farm, started a successful outfitting business, and now started a coffee company. It's a conversation worth listening to. Check it out. So, Robbie bailed on us for this one. Um, okay. I'm here with Will. Will, I'm scared to death that your uh, last name has some like cool. French Canadian inflection in it that I'm gonna mess up. So just say it for me if you would. It's Will DeRover. It's a Dutch no. name actually. It's nothing no no cool French spin on it. So all that talk and it's literally exactly how it looks and sounds and I overcomplicated <laughs> the issue. Exactly. So Will reached out to us, um and your story interested me, man. Um the things that you have going, kind of uh, the passion and the discussion that we were having um, both on the phone and and in uh, 
you know, the, the direct messages we were doing. Tell me the, tell me the Will DeRover story. It's, it's surprisingly, uh, surprisingly complex for as short as it actually is. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's, that's pretty fair. And I was actually thinking about it since we talked on the phone and it, I probably hunted or started hunting even later than I first told you. And I was thinking about it. I first kind of got interested in it in, in high school and I hunted a couple ducks with my buddies and like probably grade 12 or something. And then I got married super young and I think I got married if I was just 19. And my wife is actually kind of what turned me on to or who turned me on to uh, big game hunting. And we did our first bear hunt together in, in the mountains of BC here. We we're unsuccessful, but we, uh, we moved to Manitoba shortly after that to, uh, to run a dairy farm. And so we kind of got too busy for hunting for a little bit there. But what was your, I, let, me, let me interrupt you real quick. What yeah. was your wife's background quickly? You know, why, why was, what was her background? Was she come from a hunting family? Um, sort of. Yeah. She, she grew up on a dairy farm as well. And, um, her dad and her grandpa, they, they hunted. So that's how she was involved with it. Not, not a whole ton, but, but, uh, she was more into it than I was back then for sure. On another side note, I've always looked at dairy farmers as like the lunatics of farming. I mean, even even big time cattle ranchers can take a day every once in a while. You know what I mean? Like they can <laughs> they can relax on Sunday. There's just nothing, right? Like no, until, not a day until, off. until you get to the point that you have employees, which I'm assuming I don't know doesn't happen for the vast majority of dairy farms. Children, I guess, right? Dairy yeah, farmers are can tell. Dairy farmers are the epitome of having, you know, space out a kid every three years so that there's this gap where you can send them out to milk cows, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, our kids were all too small to help when we when we were actually running the farm, so we did it all ourselves. But it was it was a fun experience for sure. And then on the farm is actually where I first really got into hunting, and because we had like 500 acres and and whitetail all around, so. I shot my first whitetail on our own cornfield, which was pretty cool. And I was so new at it that there was some guys doing construction with uh, like excavators and stuff. And one of the guys that was working there, he he helped me skin and got my first deer because I had no clue what I was doing. That's how fresh I was at it. That's a cool story, though, man. I mean, I, I that's a a great way to get into it that you harvested a deer on on or around your own ground and. Mm-hmm. Some guy jumped out of the excavator because you didn't know what the next step was exactly. That's that's awesome. Yeah, no, that that was super cool. And then so, like I was saying, we we did dairy farming for a couple of years, and then uh, that we had a partnership that didn't really work out with our. Uh, it was long distance business partners and whatever else. But uh, so we got out of that, and then we connected with a friend at church, and he was interested in buying a hunting outfitter, and we're like, hey, well, we're kind of looking for something to do. So let's jump in this together. And I was super new at hunting. I'd never actually shot a bear in my life. And when we started bear guiding, so that was, <laughs> that was a, a big learning experience too. And then, and then COVID hits. First yeah, of all, first of all, good, good success with, with the, uh, I mean, it's, it's short term. You're not, you're not old enough to have long-term good success, but you've had good success so far with the outfitting business um, bear track outfitters, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And then yeah, COVID we started hits. in in think twenty eighteen when we first started, 
and so we ran one full season in 2019, and and that was great. We had a lot of fun, met a lot of awesome people from um, all of our clients are from the states, so we met a lot of cool Americans, and uh, and then yeah, we had a f- full year booked up for 2020, and COVID hit. So that's uh, I feel like a lot of outfitters can feel our pain, especially up here. Yeah, definitely. Anyone where I think it's probably safe to say with no ego that Americans constitute a fairly large majority of the international hunters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't mean for that to sound anything like I wasn't bragging. I think it's just a fact. Um, <laughs> That's right. And then as COVID has shut down international travel and really on a fairly long term basis, the whole Americans getting into Canada thing has been weirdly one of the the longest holdouts um yeah it it uh has to be having a massive effect on all of the not only the outfitters but the the lodging the the meal places that feed them in certain areas i mean it has to be having a pretty big effect on the canadian economy at least the the outdoors economy yeah no everything everything to do with outdoor tourism is suffering right now for sure and i'd and this coming year is, I mean, the borders are open to fully vaccinated people now. So we can, we have people that came this past fall and we have a lot of people lined up to come in the spring. So fingers crossed that we can get back up and rolling and, and hopefully everyone else that's outfitting in Canada can kind of have a sigh of relief and kind of get back to work this coming year. I mean, that's, that's the hope anyways. But with your uh, downtime during COVID, you also. Yeah. So that that was interesting. So we we're kind of stuck on the outfitting side of things and not being out in the bush, which is what we'd love to do the most. But uh, um, we kind of came up with a new way of of being part of hunting and bear hunting and conservation. And uh, this is where Bear Beans Coffee kind of developed out of as a, a bit of a a passion project, more or less, because our uh, we love coffee and we love bear hunting and we love conservation, and we kind of rolled it all into one into this company called bear beans where we sell coffee and give 10 percent of all proceeds to conservation organizations such as as blood origins and uh we do what we can to give back to the conservation community in that way what um so how old are you will 24 so you're 24 and you've ran a dairy farm and outfitting business but and i don't want mean for this to say I think that was going to come out like I was listing off how quickly you fail at things, but two of the, two of the three things are up and running. I mean, that's not the case at all. You've just accomplished a lot um, in a, in a short time span for someone that's, that's half my age. You've, you've accomplished a lot of things. Um, What, what drove you like to me, 24 is a relatively young age to really have a deep grasp of what hunters do for conservation, right? I think probably it's driven by the fact that you're in, you're in an, you're, you're a part of the industry with the outfitting business. Um, but are your peers that are your age, do they get, I sound like an old man. Do, do your peers that are your age get, uh, get that concept? The fact that, uh, you know, when you and I spoke on the phone, John Bear, who's an auctioneer out of uh, Utah, has one of my favorite quotes in the world. And it's the quote is, um, we have animals to hunt because we hunt animals. Um, and, you know, you and I talked on the phone that, that 
to I think the majority of the population that doesn't make any sense, right? No, there's exactly. there's it it uh, you know they look at it as what did you just say you're you're saving animals by killing them that doesn't make any sense. Um, what what led to you to have that real grasp or that understanding that this was necessary, um, or that that the, the accomplishments that hunters have in conservation over the last really the last century is kind of when it's become a real thing. Mm-hmm. I think um, being part of the of Bear Track Outfitters is what kind of gave me that that good overall picture because I got to see kind of behind the scenes of of the the work that we do with the the, um, the Manitoba conservation and how we get our tags and how they're allocated and where our money goes to and the projects that they work on. And, and we can see a very direct benefit of, of the money that hunters bring in. And in this case, American hunters into the Canadian economy, but um, our tags are fairly expensive for out of country residents. And that money goes straight into conservation again. And it goes back into studies and, and all kinds of projects that, the conservation up here does to uh, to help conservation of well bears in our case but uh, all sorts of other species and just the the uh, outdoors in general yeah and really like in in north america for sure just undeniably successful right like absolutely people anti hunters could argue that that they have a better way they never actually step up and do it they could argue that they have a better way, but they can't argue that our way is not working, right? I mean, exactly. I, I I don't know Canadian black bear numbers off the top of my head, but they are surging in the United States. I mean, there's, you know, states are having trouble controlling the numbers. Um, and, uh, you know, that growth, that expansion is driven 100% by, by dollars. Um, does Canada have any that you know of? Like it's a hundred percent hunter and outdoors people dollars driven in the United States. I mean, our Fish and Wildlife Service and all of our state agencies are essentially self-funded off of fees in the Pittman Robertson Act. Similar situation in Canada, correct? Yeah, it's very similar. I don't know the exact details about how it's run, but I do know the big majority of the money comes from hunters and 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 outfitters and and the tag sales and all that kind of stuff. Pretty much the same as what you guys got going on. It's pretty much self well self hunter funded um projects for sure and i'd like to to add on to what you said about the the bear hunting i live here in in bc even though we outfit in manitoba and the i'm sure you know that the grizzly bears are not being hunted out here anymore and that's that's turned into a bit of a nightmare for some people that live up in bella coola and some of those other areas where the bears have no fear anymore they're coming into town making a big mess people are scared for to let their kids play on the street and that's that's what happens when uh when hunters aren't part of the, the conservation of of a species and they eliminated that hunt because of incredibly low grizzly numbers right <laughs> no apparently no. yeah no Not it was a... because of some stupid um thing that they they did a survey of people that lived in the city and said should we hunt grizzly bears and of course they've only ever seen them on pictures or in banff so they they said yeah of course we shouldn't kill them but they don't realize the all the downstream side effects of that. I think the biggest one that you're really talking about there is actually habitualization, right? Like hunting, successful management hunting doesn't decrease populations, right? Like no. it, it it can control a population, but bears are probably maybe big cats are the best 
uh, North American example, we have wolves following closely of if the animals have no experience with humans being any type of a threat, they're big enough and bad enough that they quit having any fear in even in domestic situations, even in urban situations with people everywhere. Um, there's a really good uh, book. It, the book is focused on wolves um, by Valerius Geist called The Seven Steps of, De- of Habitualization of Wolves, I believe. I just butchered the title, but you'll find it if you want to read it. Um, and it kind of opened my eyes, you know, where for a long time I was, you know, population control was this huge focus um, on the justification, the the kind of non-spiritual but the the hard quantitative justification for lethal management by hunters of predators right like we just got to keep the numbers down um that that book really demonstrates from a scientist not from you know some rancher that just doesn't like wolves or something it's from a scientist who kind of switched around Valerius was very much a pro-wolf reintroduced the wolves um and then as he did it he saw holy cow they're starting to get very, very used to humans. Um, and this is going to create a situation we don't want. Um, so habitualization is, uh, is a big part of it that I try to talk about a lot. Cause I don't think the general public thinks about it in terms of, in terms of things along that route. And especially with the specific animal you're most connected to with the black bear, I firmly believe that they're the next target of the anti-hunters um you know we've already seen it in washington state we've seen it in new jersey down here where we're losing black bear hunting seasons um what's your when someone comes up to you and says why why do we need to hunt black bears not not what we'll get to in a second why you enjoy it personally not that i'm not talking about that that whatever spiritual connection or your joy in it, those things I'm talking about. What is there, is there a need for us to hunt black bears? Yeah. The way I look at it, absolutely. Like you're saying about the, the predator hunting and we've, we've seen videos of, of black bears killing, um, ungulates and, and the deer fawns and all that. And I think exactly like you're saying that, um, with hunting and especially when, when you look at, at predators, maybe grizzlies more so than black bears, but, but uh, when they have no fear of humans, they they'll come right into close to humans, and you got to be watch out for them. Um, like I said, for your kids and for um, the the human interaction is turns into a big problem. And then you got to these problem bears. You got to pay for them to get taken care of by whoever it is, the the government or the CEOs. And they got instead of a hunter taking care of these bears that are closer to people, which they would be the ones that get taken first, if if you think about it just from a logical point of view, because the bears that are not as scared of humans are going to probably get harvested first. And if, if that's taken care of by hunters and we just have less problems all around, I think for uh, the bears don't have to be relocated or whatever they do. And that's an expensive and, and uh, unnecessary undertaking. If, if hunters can manage the populations the the way that we do. Right. Right. The, the choice is, make it cost tax dollars and or 
have someone pay you to take care of it for you. I mean, the, the financial is the financial aspect of it is ridiculous as well. But and yeah. I, you're you're absolutely right that as far as human safety, Gri- Grizzlies a, a bigger obstacle. But probably as far as nuisance and destruction, um, black bears probably the big just because of sheer numbers. Right? I live in Colorado yeah. and. It's my Google news feed because of probably my phone listening to you and I right now is and it's daily. It's daily that someone has to go, some some official has to go and deal with a nuisance black bear in Colorado and I get those news feeds. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure there's some folks that think it's cute to have a mama black bear and her cubs in your in your trash cans. Um, but it's getting to the point where it's all of the time, and w- we have a solution to that. That uh, in Colorado, at least, we don't let be fully employed. You know, we're a no bait and no dog scenario here, mm-hmm. um, and managing black bear population with without the tools provided um, can can be a real issue as well. What what about for you? Like, talk about what you like about about being in the bush what you like about bear hunting you know what 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 does it for will completely qualitative nothing quantitative numbers wise just what do you what why do you hunt well um i got a a pretty good story of i think it was last fall i was hunting with my cousin he'd never really seen a bear in the wild before it was his first big trip out and we we quadded into this remote place and we hiked for another uh hour or two to get into this super cool like high alpine bowl and and we were just kind of hiking along looking for something and we seen this the biggest black bear I've, I've ever yet seen and this thing was just feeding on blueberries and my cousin was just in his glories it was like the coolest thing he's ever seen and for me being a guide I, right now I, I have more fun seeing other people harvest bears than actually harvesting myself it's the coolest experience once when you can bring someone out into the wilderness and and give them this uh, almost spiritual experience where they're just there's no cell service there's no no people around it's just you and the animals and nature and it's it's just amazing that's what i do it for i've hunted for probably four years now like i was saying on the phone without getting a mule deer and i i still go out as often as i can even though it's right. it's uh it's not it's not a, a money thing a money saving thing because <laughs> when you figure out your, uh, your cost per pound of the meat that you harvest, it's, it's pretty sad, but that's, that's totally not part of it at all. Especially when you're over four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try no, not I've, to talk about that too much. <laughs> I'm the exact same way. I love eating wild game, but I don't want to sit down and take out the vacuum sealed wild game in my freezer, weigh it and apply a cost per pound to it. No, <laughs> um, it's not, it's not the reason we do it. I think that, that, uh, four years in a row of unsuccessful is another thing that a lot of folks don't really like. I think there's this, this vision of people that we as hunters, you know, walk out the back door and shoot a shot and kill a thing. Um, and while that happens in, in Mm -hmm. ultra rare circumstances, um, the vast, there's some pretty excellent data. I don't have it in front of me about how drastically unsuccessful big game hunters actually are. I mean, yeah. It's like it's like baseball batting averages, you know. If you <laughs> if you're batting 250, which is you're successful a quarter of the time, you're a great batter, right? You're going in the Hall yeah, of Fame, exactly. um, and it's very similar to that. But so 
let's get into uh you contacted us right like you reached out to us which is a, a is a it's my favorite thing in the world as far as this job is concerned because i spend a lot of time reaching out to folks saying hey look how cool blood origins is would you want to be involved you you reached out to us um what we fully get that you know there's some some part of it that is about uh promotion for this the, the coffee company's very young right like what was yes. the launch date of the coffee uh, about two weeks ago yeah so incredibly about as young as a yeah. coffee company can be <laughs> Um, but what, what, uh, I guess, what do you like about blood origins or what part of our message, um, attracted you? Um, well, I, I've, I've seen the, a bunch of the videos and listened to a bunch of you guys' podcasts. And I just, I love the, just the real stories that you tell, like, like you said, it's not just a, a highlight reel of, of, oh, we, we went out in the bush and, and we shot this biggest deer that we've ever seen in our life, but it's more telling the real human stories to the and the background of, of what hunting means to people and and it's that's what i love about it and i think more and more people need to hear that story and that's that's why i reached out to you guys to hopefully be part of of uh of that mission because that's what people need to hear about hunting and i think especially predator hunting because that's that's a real sticky subject in in uh, most non-hunters minds for sure yeah, even in some hunters' minds, right? I mean, I, I think that unfortunately, um, every every group of people has a, a, a subset of them that do things that you wish they didn't do, right? And, uh, you know, there's been some videos with snowmobiles and wolves and some things that uh, don't represent anything I've ever thought of as a hunter. Um, and man, a lot of times are they tied to predator hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also don't know a single person who would do those things. And I know a lot of people that hunt predators, um, yeah. you know, and that's why it's important to us to get, to get folks like you and, and, you know, just other folks that are out there doing it. So we can, we can kind of counter that a little bit that, you know, look, here's a guy that cares. Here's a guy that conservation is, is, you know, we, we talked about this on the phone the other day too, that conservation is actually more important to us than hunting in yeah. the sense that if, you know, if Manitoba said to you, the, the, the powers that be in Manitoba showed you the data, which is important because we went through this in California where a legislator made a claim, just outright lied in a piece of legislation to outlaw bear hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, and amazingly enough, like even the most avid anti-hunters, hunting organizations in the country were like, whoa, the, the bear numbers in California are going up. You can't say that hunting has caused a drastic decline in bear hunting. But if Manitoba showed you good science that the bear population in Manitoba was so low that we shouldn't be hunting them as much anymore, you would abide by that. Right. Be yeah, of course. Because the conservation side of it is actually more important than the hunting um, and showing people that about hunters. And I'll reiterate that I really think black bear hunters, black bear hunting organizations, um, we, we better start getting not that there's not there's some of them, some of the most organized in the country are actually bear hunting associations. Or, but it's coming. That's what the that's what the anti hunting groups are going to go after next, and there's going to be a lot of 
a lot of email campaigns with one day old black bear cubs asking for money to save them from the evil hunters. You know, it's going to happen because they've lost with the wolves. They've, yeah. uh, they've, they've, the, the science and the facts and the data have come out that they abused their position with the wolves and lied and raised hundreds of millions of dollars that didn't go to any good of conservation and bears is going to be next. Yeah. But I think, and I think we better band together and that's why, that's why we want to have these conversations, man. Absolutely. Is so that there's, that there's somebody out there hearing a reasonable approach to this saying, Hey, you're not getting fed the facts when people are attacking bear hunting. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I, I can uh, echo what you said about the, I think bears being next on the list because I, I was reaching out to, there's, I think like maybe a dozen or, or 15 organizations in Canada that take those, those orphan bear cubs that their mothers have died for whatever reason, car accidents or, or who knows what it is. And, I asked them if like, Hey, do you want to be partners with us? We're trying to um, promote bear conservation with, with our coffee company. And, and they don't want to have anything to do with us because all well, you guys are something to do with hunting. We don't like you. So that's, uh, that's exactly, I think that's bear black bears are going to be next on the list of, of things that get attacked. And we're seeing it already with like the, what's going on in Washington. And that's uh, as about as unscientific as it gets. Yeah. Every single project we do, that's not directly correlative to hunting. And we do a lot of them. We do a lot of conservation projects, or we have done several, I should say it that way. So I'm not exaggerating. We've done several conservation projects where we were going to do a piece of habitat or a certain species, what needed done for them. And there was zero correlation or sometimes zero possibility that those animals will ever be hunted. Um, and when we when we have those, um, I have an email list of the animal rights groups around the world um, that we invite them every time, and we we've never even gotten a reply. We've gotten on in Facebook conversations with them, asking them, you know, hey, we're going to go and do this thing that's for the good of the animals. Would you even just email it out to your followers for us? Don't, we don't want any money from you. We know and. They never even respond. And, you know, if they came to us and said, hey, if they came to Blood Origins, I'm announcing this outright right now. Robbie's not on the show, so, you know, what can he do? Um, if a group, any group, comes to us with a solid conservation plan that's going to benefit a species or a piece of habitat, we will act- we will absolutely – get into a conversation with you about supporting and backing that program regard and even if you're a complete anti-hunting organization and now you know we're, we're not going to give you dollars to support your fancy office buildings and 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 excessive expenditures but we'll absolutely have a conversation with you about how we could support a conservation program um and why they won't reciprocate that i i, I don't know i think I hate assumptions. As I get older, I try to like live by this code of not assuming anything, but mm-hmm. it's really hard to not assume um, that it's not the animals that is their top priority. I think it's the dollars and the t-shirt sales that are actually their top priority. But unfortunately, I, I tend to agree. It's, it's, uh, that would be something pretty cool to see if, if we could get both ends of the spectrum and, 
and we do projects together that are actually about the animals and nothing else. Yeah, That'd absolutely. Absolutely. Like lots and lots and lots of hunting organizations, hunter backed organizations have been doing for some 80, 90, a hundred years. Um, yeah. so we've got a couple of pro we've got a couple of things we're going to do together as our first, uh, venture into a little bit of a partnership here. First of all, Bear Beans Coffee. Tell folks how to find out about Bear Beans Coffee. Uh, you can go to bearbeans.com and we got our coffee up on there and we got a, our story and what we're, what we're about. A bunch of cool videos from, from us and from our partners and uh, uh, go check it out, bearbeans.com. We, we uh, at Blood Origins, we pride ourselves on uh, not outright promoting anything that we haven't used um, exclusively ourselves. The company's two weeks old and I have a bag of uh, spring, what's the spring one? Spring the Awakening. Spring Awakening headed my direction. Um, so as soon as I, as soon as I run a cup of that through the, uh, through the coffee pot, I'll holler at folks and, you know, I'll give you an honest assessment. Either way, support them. It's bear conservation, but I bet it's good coffee. Um, we are going to partner there. You're going to, um, every month, someone from our supporters club will win a package, correct? You bet. One three. of each, uh, each of our coffees. Tell me the names. You got three. You got three uh, yeah, three we got the dark. We got the dark roast, and we got the hibernation roast, which is more of a, a medium roast, and then we got the uh, the spring awakening, which is more a medium light roast. I don't really know. Like, I'll be honest with you. You can give me a cup of gas station coffee, or you can give me the most expensive cup of coffee in the world, and it's a coin toss on which one I'm gonna want. But the the medium light roast. Is it true that the lighter it is, the more the caffeine, the more, the more it fires you up, or is it not a, not across the board? I I don't know exactly about that. I think it has a lot to do with the the varieties, and I'm not a coffee scientist, so I, I couldn't tell you that. <laughs> All right, exactly. All right cool. <laughs> so each one of our, everyone that's in our supporters program will be entered to win a package from you, um, each month moving forward for a yet to be determined time. Yep. Um. And you're giving away a – it's nice to have a, a coffee company promoting to hunters and you also have an outfitting company. You're giving away a bear hunt. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, so we're it's a, a bit of a Christmas giveaway. We're doing um, daily coffee giveaways on our Instagram and also um, a, bear, a fully guided bear hunt at Bear Trek Outfitters that will be given away on the day before Christmas. So – It'll be uh, somebody will wake up to a kind of a cool present. And you've uh, been gracious enough to allow that everyone that joins the Blood Origin Supporters Program between now and December 23rd will be automatically entered into that drawing, correct? Yes, sir. More the merrier. Hopefully we can, uh, I think it's a, a win-win for uh, somebody could win a bear hunt and we can get Blood Origins some, some more support and we can also... Uh, get more awareness for the coffee, which is also uh, benefiting bear conservation down the road. So it's a win, win, win. We, we really, really appreciate that. All you've got to do to join that blood origin supporters program is go to our website, bloodorigins.com big red tab right in the middle of the home screen that says supporters program. And you can join up minimum of $3. That's all it is, is a minimum of $3 a month. And you're among several other really cool prizes, you'll be entered to win. If you do it before December 23rd, you'll be entered to win a 
fully guided bear hunt in Manitoba with Bear Tracks Outfitters. You'll also be every single month, right? Like, I think if I can brag a little bit, I think the cool thing about our supporters program is you sign up once. Um, yes, it's going to tick your credit card every month for how whatever amount you choose. You can also choose seven thousand a month, anywhere between three dollars and seven thousand, whatever you want to choose. Um, and you're just automatically entered every month. Um, and then as we usually do between seven and ten prizes, and from here moving forward for the foreseeable future, three uh, three bags of coffee from Bear Beans Coffee will be a uh, option for you to win as well. You bet. Will, uh, first of all, I really need to, uh, what kind of bear hunting do you do? I mean, is it spot and stock? Is it, are you guys allowed to use bait up there? Yeah, in Manitoba, we're allowed to use bait. Absolutely. We do, we have all, we have about 40 or 50 baited sites. And so the the hunt includes that we, we take people to the site and back every day and uh, we do everything for them. They show up at, at Winnipeg if you're flying in. And we pick you up from there and you don't have to worry about a single thing. We'll take care of your food, licenses, transportation, the whole works. All you got to do is get to Winnipeg and, and you'll have a week's worth of hunting. That's hundred um, percent taken care of by us. What's the uh, website on that? If people want more information about Bear Tracks Outfitters. Uh, BearTrackOutfitters.com. Bear Track Outfitters. You bet. Excellent. Well, I can't tell you how excited we are. Um, we always love to find you know, we, we always love to add to our, to our partner base. I think you have the right kind of enthusiasm and philosophy to blend in with uh, the blood origins family very well. Um, I appreciate your flexibility because, because of this bear hunt giveaway, I wanted to make this podcast happen really fast. Um, so, you know, thank you from us and everyone at blood origins for what you're doing for us and what you're doing for the world. What, uh, what do you want to close it out with? What do you got to say? Well, I, I, uh, accept your thanks and I want to send my thanks back to you guys. What for everything you guys are doing in the world of, of hunting and conservation and, uh, keep up the good work and, and to everyone out there, please support blood origins because we need our story to get out in the world. Cool, man. Thanks for your time. And I have this feeling we'll probably be talking again. Yes, sir. Have a great day. Thanks. Will. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.